Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to, and I've actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to a brand new BSN Nuggets podcast, Thursday edition of the program. Harrison Wind here and Christian Clark. A few moments after the Thursday afternoon trade deadline wraps up, we'll give you our reaction to what the Nuggets didn't do, what some teams around the league did do, give you guys our winners and losers. Also look back on that Nuggets loss to the Nets the other night. Real quick, though, we are presented today, of course, by Total Beverage right now for a limited time at Total Beverage. They have an exclusive deal going on for BSN listeners. You can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. So again, if you use the promo code BSN10, you can save $10 off a $50 or more order for all your holiday parties. And of course, have it delivered right to your door. Total Beverage is now delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. All right, Christian, so the trade deadline has come and gone. The Nuggets stood pat. I don't think any of us are surprised, but did you expect Denver to maybe make a minor move or a little tweak here or there, or, or were you expecting them just to stay totally radio silent as they did? I mean, I thought there was a small chance they they made a move um, – you know, just at the back end of the roster, you know, you reported that there was a possibility that they looked to move Tyrell Lydon. Um, that would make much, a little bit of sense to me just because, I mean, they've already basically decided that Tyrell Lydon's not going to be in their plans past this year, right? His deal's up after this year. They didn't pick up that option. So we know that, you know, these the two sides are, are likely headed for an exit. Um, I mean, the Nuggets are obviously in a great spot, uh, second place in the West. I think they got the fourth best net rating in all of the NBA. 
I mean, they've been awesome this year for, for being, you know, the most injured team in basketball. So, I mean, I'm completely fine with them, you know, standing pat here and just going with what they got and waiting for these reinforcements to come back. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all by them standing pat. Like you said, I thought maybe a small move, like moving Tyler Lydon to a team where he could at least get some playing time with down the stretch. I mean, there's really no minutes to be had, be had in Denver, of course, and he hasn't been able to really get much playing time at all or practice time you know, with the Nuggets this year because Denver hasn't really been practicing too much as of late. So I thought maybe the chance to move him to a lottery-bound team or a team that didn't have a lot to play for and get him some playing time would be a good solution for both sides. Obviously, that didn't happen, and the Nuggets chose to stay pat as we pretty much expected them to. A lot of people were getting at me about potentially moving Trey Lyles. Did you think that would be something Denver might look at, or did you look at Lyles as a piece Denver kind of needs here down the stretch? Oh, man. I mean, they need him to play better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know that you could get a whole lot back for Trey Lyles right now. I mean, he's just been so bad this year. It's it's definitely a sell-low move. They need him when they're this banged up, and with Paul Millsap, you know, he's missed a lot of time this year. But And he's also on an expiring deal, too. That's why I agree with you. I don't think you could have gotten a lot back for him anyway. I doubt you were going to get a first-round pick for Lyles. I'd rather have Trey Lyles the rest of this year than, like, a second-round pick. Yeah, and it's a little low to sell on him for a second-round pick. And with how Paul Millsap has been playing, particularly on the offensive end of the floor, with how banged up he's been, I've made this point a couple times, and also with Wancho not really giving the Nuggets much here lately, they kind of need Trey Lyles to play those 15 minutes per game off the bench behind Paul Millsap. And now with Paul Millsap out of the for these last couple of games behind Mason Plumley, so it kind of seems like they need him a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks back, I honestly thought that, that Trey Lyles was going to get benched just because Wancho was playing really well. And, mm -hmm. you know, Wancho has fallen off a cliff here lately. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, I think, is going to be really good for this team long term. But you can tell that, like, he gets winded after being out there for five or ten yeah. minutes. Like, he was great last night. And I also could tell he was, like, gasping for air on, on TV. Right. So, He's, he's just not ready to like step in and play those 15 or 20 minutes every night either. Right, well, there's no way to get into basketball shape without playing basketball. You can run as many miles on the treadmill as you want. It's not going to get you in basketball game shape, and I agree. He did look really winded really quickly, but, man, he's tantalizing. We'll talk about him in a little bit more here. So wrapping up the trade deadline, where do you think – Denver goes from here. I thought maybe a reason the Nuggets would also move on from Tyler Lydon is a chance to open up a roster spot, be active in the buyout market, a buyout market which it seems like is going to be pretty flush with talent. Wesley Matthews, Wayne Ellington. It seems like there are going to be a lot of guys out there. Do you think Denver would look to make an upgrade or do you think they're pretty happy with their roster, their rotation, and like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the reinforcements that are coming up here soon. I mean, I think Wes Matthews is a name that, that makes a lot of sense in theory, but it sounds like he's already headed to the Indiana Pacers. Mm -hmm. I think Wayne Ellington is a, is a name that makes some sense for Denver, too. I mean, just a guy who's a, a dead-eye three-point shooter um, can fill in, you know, at shooting guard and small forward a little bit. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I would expect them to just continue forward. I, I 
probably don't expect them to pick anybody up on the buyout market. Yeah, the tough thing about the buyout market, if you're the Nuggets, is when you're fully healthy, and obviously we haven't seen that with this team yet really this season, but when the Nuggets are fully healthy 1 through 10, I'm not sure there are that many minutes available for a Wayne Ellington, for example. Like, is he really going to come here and play 10 minutes a game off Denver's bench, 10 to 15 minutes a game when he can go to the Lakers, when he can go to the Rockets and be penciled in for 25 minutes a night? Yeah, I, have a, I have a hard time believing Ellington would be on board for that or, or a similar guy in his place. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. I mean, if you're Wayne Ellington, you, you definitely would prefer to go to the Rockets or the Lakers. How many guys do the Rockets have on their roster right now? I think they have around three open spots for <laughs> bio candidates. Same thing with Toronto right now. Like Houston's roster, I feel like in like a week is going to be made up of like a third of buyout guys. They already have Fareed and Austin Rivers. Right. Well, Houston, I almost feel a little bad for Rockets fans because they had their run last year and now it seems like their owner is really, I don't want to say panicking, that might be the wrong word, but really urging and really probably putting down his fist and saying, all right, we've got to get under the luxury tax. That seems like where these moves are coming from. Yeah, Tillman Fertitta, um, you know, in his business life, is not a, exactly known as being a big spender. He uh, pinches those pennies. Yeah, so I think I agree with you. It, it's tough to see Denver making a huge splash on the buyout market. I mean, if they were to make one move, Leiden is the guy you move on from because they don't have any money committed to him after this year, and he could probably find another spot in the league. Like, I don't think he's going to be out of the league by any means. I'm sure a team would pick him up for their G League team or whatnot. So uh, I'd keep an eye on that over the next couple of weeks, and it might just be helpful to have an open roster spot down the stretch. I don't know. The biggest stretch run acquisition, I think, from the Nuggets perspective, and you've hinted at this earlier in the show, it's a potentially healthy starting five and possibly Isaiah Thomas. And the Nuggets, of course, haven't had their opening night starting five available since the second game of the regular season. It doesn't seem like they're going to have that group together until potentially after the All-Star break. Gary Harris is still out of the lineup. I would assume Denver would keep him rested and hold him out until after the All-Star break, get him fully recovered. Paul Millsap is still out here. So maybe that doesn't happen until after the break. But the sense I get from talking to people around the team is they're really confident with the group they have. They love their chemistry. They don't want to risk moving on from somebody or bringing somebody in that could potentially mess up that chemistry. And they look at their team as a really quality roster and one that can still raise up another level or two when they get that healthy starting five back. So I think that's what the Nuggets are waiting for here, just to get everybody back get the starting lineup back together, and then see what they've got at that point. And I agree with that idea that we haven't even seen anything close to what the Nuggets can be when, when they're fully formed with this roster. I mean, that's kind of crazy uh, that they've won 37 games already. Uh, they have the fourth best net rating in the league, like I mentioned earlier, and they've been bit this banged up. I mean, that's just a, a testament to their drafting, developing their depth. It's pretty incredible. So... Yeah, man, I just want to see the starting five, you know, be able to get into a rhythm a little bit. I had such high hopes for it going into the year. Gary uh, looks like he's going to miss his fifth game in a row on Friday against the 76ers national TV game on ESPN. Um, I saw you know, Nick Cosmider say, too, that uh, they don't expect Gary to be back until after the All-Star break. So, you know, it could be until then um, that 
we finally see the starting five together. Gary has played in 32 of 54 games this year. Like, it's possible when we're at the end of the year, he's missed, like, similar to amount of games Paul Millsap mm-hmm. missed last year with that that terrible um, injury that, that required surgery. I mean, these games are really starting to add up for Gary. It's been a really frustrating year for him, for sure. It's been a bit of a disappointing year, and it's not because of his play on the court. It's because of these injuries that have really started to pile up here. It seems like it's been a new thing every time, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they just keep adding up the, these little things. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, and it, it just seems to happen a lot to Gary, too, these these little things. It's never, it's never really like one big thing with him. So, yeah, I think the Nuggets top stretch run acquisition, if you will, their top post-trade deadline acquisition is going to be that healthy starting five. I guess if they ever get back onto the floor together, which I'm still thinking will come eventually. I don't think we're going to look back at this discussion at the end of the season and say, man, they never had their starting five available. I think that time will come. Um, In what, game three of the first round? (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if they have it after the All-Star break. Yeah. You give Gary Harris this next week off, so these next two weeks off pretty much. Maybe you give Paul Millsap a couple more games off here and get him fully rested, and then after the All-Star break, you're really looking ready to go. The last part of this trade deadline discussion, I guess, and where Denver's additions post-trade deadline are going to come, Isaiah Thomas. He's still floating out there. Still the cloud that's hanging over this team right now. When is he coming back? Nobody really knows still. He's still officially without a timetable to return per the team. But I know from what I'm told, he is getting closer. He is pretty close to returning right now. And we're less than a week away from his personal target return date, or at least what I understand is his personal target return date. When he tweeted out 25 days back on January 17th, that date was lining up with February 11th. So in his mind... He's very close to coming back. I don't know when the Nuggets are going to have him back, but he's still looming. He's still looming out there, and he's getting closer. Yeah, and, you know, even if IT does return in, let's say, like the next two weeks or something like that, it's going to be 11 months since he played in an actual NBA game. And, I mean, I I just don't think you can expect him to, to pick up anywhere near where he was in Boston if you've missed that much time. I mean, it's just going to take a long time. If you if you have a major injury like this and you haven't played in almost a year, I think you've just got to be really patient with the guy too. For sure. And it's really tough to come back when you haven't been out that long. I mean, look how long it's taking Will Barton to get back to his pre-injury self. And he missed three months. <laughs> you know, Isaiah Thomas has pretty much missed a year of NBA basketball and couple that with the fact he's trying to come back for a team where his minutes aren't exactly allocated right now. They've got Monte Morris. They've got Malik Beasley off the bench. There's not a set number of minutes that he's just going to jump into. I feel like, and it's a Nuggets team that's right on the track to being one of the best teams in the Western conference this season. It's not exactly a situation where they can, just kind of take their time and mesh him into things here. It, it, there's going to be some high like intensity moments that this team's going to have to deal with right away here. And if you're five foot nine, um, you know I'm a short guy. Love love the short guys in the NBA. There's just not a lot of margin for error for you. Sure. I mean, you know your athleticism goes down by ten fifteen percent. That can really really affect you. I mean, you, 
the margin for error when, when you're that small is just tiny. Um, no pun intended there, but, oh man, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just not very, um, optimistic that it is going to, you know, contribute anything towards like winning basketball this year. I'm skeptical. I've said it all along. I would, as a fan, if you're a Nuggets fan listening to this, I would have zero expectations of what he's going to bring because he's been away from the game for so long and it's going to take him a lot of reps and a lot of minutes to get that rhythm back. And I'm sure he's still got the feel for the game there. Uh, His conditioning is obviously going to take a while to ramp up. We were just talking about how tired Jared Vanderbilt looks after a couple minutes on the floor. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is going to take... Uh, probably just that kind of amount of time to get his win back as well. So, yeah, we'll see how it works out. But that situation does seem like it's coming to a head here, potentially right before the All-Star break or or possibly right after. So we'll see how that kind of progresses. All right, let's hit a break real quick here. When we come back, we'll get off some more thoughts about the trade deadline in general talk about some winners and losers, and then look back at this Nuggets loss in Brooklyn the other night, what went wrong, and where Denver kind of goes from here. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage Let's get off some more thoughts about some winners and losers from this really exciting deadline, though. First, though, we've got a really cool announcement because there's an awesome subscription sale going on at BSN Denver right now. For all you guys still holding out on a BSN Denver subscription, this is the time to sign up because right now you can actually get a one-year subscription to BSN Denver for only $29.99. Usually, a year sub is $35.99. You can get that price by using the promo code NUGGETS, all capitals, when signing up. So again, you can get a one-year subscription to BSN Denver for just $29.99 by using the promo code NUGGETS. Comes out to $2.50 a month, less than a cup of coffee. And also, here's the other part of it. We've got a little competition going on between the Broncos, Avalanche, Rockies, and Nuggets crews. Whomever signs up the most subscriptions with their sports-specific promo code so everybody who signed up for a subscription at this special price will get a free t-shirt of their choosing from the BSN Denver Locker. So again, to recap, you can get a one-year subscription at $2.50 a month 
for BSN Denver. And if enough of you Nuggets fans sign up, if more of you guys sign up than Broncos fans and Rockies fans and Avalanche fans, all of you are going to get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver locker. So a really awesome deal we've got going on right now. I'm not sure how long it's going to last here, but get in on it right now if you're still holding out on a subscription. Uh, just $29.99. Like I said, $2.50 a month. It's like a cup of coffee, not a ton of money at all for awesome sports coverage with the Broncos, the Rockies, the Nuggets, and the Avalanche, of course. So wrapping up this trade deadline discussion, I thought this was a pretty fun trade deadline for sure. Obviously, the Anthony Davis stuff didn't happen, but you had some big trades. Marcus Gasol, Tobias Harris, of course. If you had to look at one winner from the last couple days of trades, not just trades that happened today, but also that Tobias Harris trade to Philly and whatnot. If you had to pick out one winner from these last couple days, one team that really improved their standing here after the trade deadline, who would it be? Ooh, well, I guess they didn't improve their standing right now, but the Boston Celtics had to be feeling pretty good. I would say they're the front runners to land Anthony Davis this summer now. You know, Parrick Kyrie Irving assuming he doesn't go off the deep end and leaves for New York or something with Anthony Davis. Um, I mean, that's just killer. Uh, I, th- I think the Celtics definitely got to be considered the favorite. Um, I don't I don't buy that Anthony Davis is going to get traded to one team and then play that one year and then go sign with the Lakers in 2019-2020. I don't think the Lakers are going to hold on to that cap space. Like They're not wasting another year of LeBron for Anthony Davis to go there like a year and a half from now. So probably the Celtics... And then the Milwaukee Bucks too. Uh, they signed or they traded for Nikola Mirotic. The Bucks have the best net rating in the NBA by a significant margin. And you know, one of the things I, I think you worried about a little bit come playoff time was Brooke Lopez is their center. Um, he's done a great job stretching the floor for them. But is Brooke Lopez going to get played off the floor in the playoffs? And now they can just go Giannis at like the five, or he can defend fives. Mirotic at the four and then three guards around them. Mm-hmm. I think it makes them that much more dangerous come playoff time. It's a good point. I like what both those teams did. I love the Eastern Conference arms race right now. And the Nuggets standing pat at the trade deadline and a lot of the other Western Conference playoff contenders actually probably feel pretty good about where they are right now. Anthony Davis did not go to the Lakers. He didn't go to a team in the West. He's going to stay with the Pelicans. Obviously, they won't be a factor in the playoff race. The Clippers... They kind of said, all right, we're not really trying to tank all the way to the bottom, but we're not trying to make the playoffs so we can keep that pick. And I, I love what the Eastern Conference teams did at the top. Like you said, the Celtics, they might be looked at as the front runner to get Anthony Davis right now. They kind of stood pat. My favorite trade of the day was probably Marcus Alt to the Raptors. They probably looked at Tobias Harris to 76ers and Miritich to the Bucks, and we're like, all right, we've got to do something. Like, we've got one year to prove to Kawhi that we're serious, that we can get to the finals. Because I think it's pretty safe to assume Kawhi is going to leave unless they get to the finals. They've probably at least got to get there to give him a serious thought about staying there. So, them to get Marcus All, I think is huge. I mean, pretty clearly the second best player on that team, I think, now behind Kawhi Leonard. And who is your favorite in the East right now? Is it the Celtics? Is it the Bucks with Miritich? Is it the Raptors? Do you, can you get a feel of who you like as a favorite? Probably the Bucks, man. Um, I mean, I, I love the Miritich pickup for them. He was so valuable helping the Pelicans make the playoffs. 
and win that first round series. They just crushed the Trailblazers. I mean, the Bucks. Like, if you just look at the net rating, they're they're ahead of like the Warriors by like two and a half points per hundred possessions. Yeah. I mean, they are pretty dominant this year, and they got that much more versatile. I love what they can do. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had to bet on one team, I'd probably go with them. I'd be betting on man. It's tough. It's tough. I feel like it's just going to be whichever team is healthiest between them, the Celtics, the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, Hayward's, I guess, like the big question mark or one of them. Is mm-hmm. he going to look like himself now in, in May, between yeah. now and May? Like I said, I love the Clippers clearing cap space. Maybe they could get in the field for Anthony Davis. Uh, I'm not sure. The Lakers, not a great trade deadline for them. Uh, they opened up a roster spot. I think we all know who's going to fill that one. A certain 6'8 forward from Syracuse. And, uh, yeah, it's a rough day for the Lakers not getting Anthony Davis. But with the Clippers clearing that space and selling off Tobias Harris, they pretty much said, all right, like Lakers and Kings, you guys can battle it out for this final playoff spot. And I guess if you're the Lakers, you feel pretty good about that. So. What do you think about the Tobias Harris to Philly move? Do you like that move for the 76ers? Do you think it makes them a better team this year? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, on the surface, they gave up a lot to to sign a guy who, you know, is only under contract through the rest of this year. They needed shooting next to to Butler, Simmons, Embiid. Like, the spacing is just kind of cramped there. You know, I actually, I'm okay with it because... I don't know if they should have dealt for Jimmy Butler, man. They shouldn't have. Like, that that already seems like it was a mistake. It was. It seems like Jimmy Butler is probably headed out the door. He is. And so Tobias Harris is basically your Jimmy Butler insurance. And I like the fit of Tobias Harris next to Simmons and Bede much more than Jimmy Butler. I like Jimmy Butler. I just think he's a better player than Tobias Harris. If it wasn't for the personality issues and the locker room issues... I think Jimmy Butler would be more of the slam dunk there. But, I mean, yeah, Tobias Harris is younger. He's probably the guy you'd rather give that max deal to than Jimmy Butler. And I know Philly came out and said, oh, yeah, we're going to resign all four of these guys. They're not resigning all four of those Heck guys. No. There's no way they are keeping Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. There's and no J.J. Way. Redick. Yeah. JJ Redick is an unrestricted free agent. Oh yeah, he's I so mean, valuable. Kiss him goodbye. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they needed shooting. I, it, it was tough, man. I mean, uh, that was a lot. But, I mean, I think they, you know, were kind of put in this position because of Jimmy Butler moving him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they would have been much better off just not making that deal and then making this current deal for for Tobias, even if, you know, you you give up like a Robert Covington and that first round Miami pick. I think you're much better off having Sarge in there who can make a little bit less money and Harris and Beaton Simmons. Yeah, I would probably agree. I think this trade works out well for them this season, and we've got like three months left of the season. I don't know how it will work out for them going forward in the future here. Let's go ahead and hit another break real quick. When we come back, look at this loss in Brooklyn, what we took away from this one. And what Denver has to fix going forward, because I think there are a couple clearing issues right now that Denver's got to nip in the butt here before uh, they get out of control. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, 
and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. And we're back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by Total Beverage, Thursday edition of the program. Let's move on to this loss in Brooklyn, Denver's first two-game losing streak since Christmas. They start out this road trip with that emotional win in Minnesota over the Timberwolves and then have fallen in these last couple games to Detroit and to Brooklyn. From a high level, what was your biggest takeaway from this loss? A second straight game where Denver gave up a ton of points. Uh, They gave up 129 to Detroit the other night, 135 to this Brooklyn team uh, the other night. Where do you start with this game? Um, probably that they just continue to struggle guarding the, the spread pick and roll. I mean, it was D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen in the pick and roll with, with shooters kind of spotted up around the perimeter. And we just know that, that Denver really struggles to, to guard that way. I mean, the Houston Rockets have given Denver all sorts of trouble in recent years. I mean, D'Angelo Russell is almost doing like a James Harden light impersonation in this mm-hmm. game. Lefty lead ball handler who's pretty good at hitting those threes off the dribble um, who's pretty good at finding his teammates. That's what I thought it looked like, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I, I thought part of them giving up 135 in this game was they're just always going to struggle that to play that way. I mean, they help so much on the roller. Like, they're tagging so hard to worry about Jared Allen, the threat of him at the basket, and it just gets him wide open three after wide open three. And they made some, you know, pretty bad defensive mistakes too. I, I highlighted sure. the one in the second quarter where it was just a simple DHO on the left wing, like six seconds in the shot clock in Wancho and Monte didn't communicate at all. Um, who was it that got that wide open three? Alan Crabb. Mm-hmm. Um, so a guy who all he does is shoot threes. Yeah. Yeah. All, all he can do is shoot threes. I mean, I think he takes nine shots a game, six of them are threes. So there are, there are definitely some things here and there. Denver, you know, could have done better defensively. Part of it was on him on them, but I mean, I think they're always just going to kind of struggle against teams that play this way. So what changed from the beginning of the season? Do you think it was just as simple of teams missing a ton of those threes at the beginning of the season has just corrected itself and and now teams are making those shots? Oh, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Um, They haven't got like dominant Paul Millsup in the defensive end either. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a freaking superhero. Like Mm -hmm. those first 20 games or whatever on the defensive end, he should have been like, in, in, I mean, in the early part of the year, I think he was in the running for defensive player in the year, and that's just not the case anymore. Yeah. The defense is definitely probably the first thing that jumped out to me, particularly over these last two games. I mean, 129 to Detroit, a team that isn't going to wow you with their offensive talent 
and then 135 to Brooklyn. The Nets are a solid offensive team, but, I mean, you can really limit them if you're on your P's and Q's defensively. I like what you wrote about D'Angelo Russell. He did look like James Harden out there. Russell was probably the best Lakers draft pick of the last four or five <laughs> years, and he's the only one not on the Lakers right now. So. Rough week for Lakers Twitter. Right. They could not stop him. Joe Harris, a big game as well, 17 points. Trevion Graham, that was another thing. Trevion Graham came into this game shooting 20-something percent from three. He goes out there and hits four or six triples. So that was another aspect of it. Some guys who don't normally hit shots like Trevion Graham hit their threes, so I guess you can't really account for that. But the mental mistakes on defense seem to be jumping out again. You highlighted that one play in your Golden Nuggets right up afterward, which you can find on bsndenver.com. Just a pretty standard dribble handoff early in the shot clock. Denver seems really confused about how to guard it. On a couple of the Trevion Graham threes, there was one in particular where Torrey Craig and Nikola Jokic, they messed up what looked like it should have been a switch, and both guys went off a Trevion Graham, and he drilled a wide-open three. So it just seems like there's a lot of those mental mistakes that are adding up right now. Yeah, man. I mean, the starters look great coming out of the gates in this game. Denver is up 16-5, to forced Brooklyn to, to call a timeout. And it sort of started slipping away when they went to their bench. Um, Lyles, Wancho, and Craig were all, were all in there together as that 14-point lead kind of evaporated. Um, the Nets hit seven threes in the second quarter. And, you know, I went back and watched game this morning. They hit some tough shots. Mm-hmm. Like, you got you to gotta give the Nets some credit. No doubt. Um, I mean, they went 19 of 34 from three. That, that's just not going to happen that often. But, yeah, man, I mean, Denver has really struggled lately on the defensive end. It, Michael Malone, I think, is, is getting pretty frustrated at, at this point. I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty rough. His comments after the game – were interesting, and I want to get to those in a second, but real quick, some specifics on Denver's defense. Nuggets have now slipped to 13th overall defensively after tonight's loss. Throughout the first month, month and a half of the year, they were comfortably in the top five. That's obviously changed in a big way. Since December 5th, that game against the Magic, we always talk about, Denver is 24th in defense since that date. And something you can at least point to here over these last couple games is obviously Gary Harris and Paul Millsap aren't in the lineup. Probably two of Denver's better defenders. Definitely Denver's two of their top four defenders, whatever way you want to slice it, I'd say. Uh, So that certainly hasn't helped either. But yeah, Michael Malone's comments over these past couple games, they remind me of comments he made over his first three years on the job and and really most of his first two years on the job. The other night in Detroit, Michael Malone says that we just kind of gave in. No, we just weren't up to the task. We didn't have that fight. We just kind of gave in when things were going tough and just kind of gave up. And then after this Brooklyn game, he says our starting lineup, they're just not playing as hard as they need to be playing. And what I take away from that is he's pretty much saying the same thing. Nuggets just haven't had that fight. They haven't had that edge. They haven't been playing with that spirit and that joy that they've played with for much of the season. What do you think of those two comments he's had after these last couple of games? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this a lot last year. Um, you've always got to be careful uh, about continuing, continually questioning your, your team's effort. Like, this is the NBA. You can only go to that well a, a handful of times. But I have seen a, a pretty stark difference, and I'm never one to blame effort and fight. I'm not usually one to put it on those things, but at least I think over these last two games, there's been a, a stark difference between how this team has looked generally over the first two-thirds of the season and how they looked these last two games. I think that's true. Um, you know, I just... I'm not saying Michael Bowen did anything wrong. I'm just, you know, I would resort to the tactic of, like, kind of publicly calling your team out last. It's It's got to be tough. I mean... It, this is just going to happen too. Like over the course of an 82 game season, there are just going to be some some stretches where your team's probably not a, as motivated as it should be. So mm-hmm. they're going through a rough patch. Um, you know, Will Barton has looked really bad. Can we talk about Trey Lyles a little bit? Because he made some shots in this game. He went five for ten from the field, but he was a minus 21 in 22 minutes. You know, going back, he made a, a couple just head scratching plays on the defensive end. Um, you know, got blown by one time, um, tried to cut off like a driver and like almost fell over and just allowed a layup right before halftime. He fouled Damari Carroll on a three point shot, gave them three free throws. How many times has that happened at the end of a quarter? Oh, too many the nuggets are pretty, pretty rough at, at closing out those quarters. So, I mean, it was, you know, it's funny. I think some of the reason that Jared Vanderbilt like pops so much is mm-hmm. just because the Nuggets have they have so many skill guys. Like they have so many shot makers. They just don't have that many like dirty work guys. Yeah. Like Mason Plumlee and Torrey Craig are, are probably the only two dirty work guys on, on this roster, and they need a little bit more of that from night to night. I think too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trey Lyles hasn't been that this year, and I agree. He he struggled at times last night. He scored the ball, but pretty much struggled in every other facet of his game. And Denver just needs him to play better. I got to think that he was one of the guys Michael Mullen was talking about in his postgame comments. Will Barton, it's been a struggle ever since he's come back here from the injury. I sent this over to you last night, but in the 13 games that Will Barton has played here uh, since coming back, the Nuggets have a negative 3.8 net rating with him on the court and a 10.4 net rating with him off the court right now statistically they're way better offensively with him on the bench and they're significantly better defensively with him on the bench you know I thought maybe the play of the game last night uh was that two-on-one fast break Denver had in the third quarter was Beasley and Barton and they flubbed it turned it over and the Nets immediately went down and D'Angelo Russell hit like this 26 foot three from the right wing Denver could have got it down to 12 the lead went up to 17. Michael Bowen called a timeout. You know, like a minute or two later, he just subbed out all five mm-hmm. starters hockey style at one time because he was so fed up. I mean, yeah, Barton, this was a, just a rough game for him. Um, he, he doesn't look like he has that burst. Definitely not. And those two turnovers he had, he might have even finished with more of those, but the two turnovers I remember him having right off the top of my head, just uncharacteristic, man. Not the type of plays we see Will Barton usually make. And I don't know about you, but my mentions were on fire after this game about trade Will Barton, sit Will Barton down. He's not a good asset to this team. And Calm down. 
Exactly. We talked about this earlier with Isaiah Thomas and how long it's going to take him to find his rhythm again, probably after missing a month, missing or not a month, a year, missing three months when you're Will Barton, especially with how he plays and how this Nuggets offense operates, the read and react style they play, the free flowing style they play. It's really tough to come back from it. And we knew it was going to be a process for him to get back. And I'm sure he's a little frustrated, uh, but my words of advice to everybody out there questioning Will Barton, have some patience. This guy was incredible for Denver last year. They have the same roster that they had last year, this year. He fits into Jokic ball. He's probably Denver's best one-on-one creator, I would say. Really good out of the pick and roll. Can play backup point guard for you. This guy's a great player. He's a great fit. I would give him some more time before we're trying to trade him out of Denver for him to get back from this injury. And there might be a point like in the future when Denver looks at this roster and it's like, all right, we're loaded at guard, but we need a little more help on the wings. And I guess, you know, Barton's kind of like a guard slash wing, but they've got Jamal Murray. They got Gary Harris. They got Malik Beasley. They've got Will Barton. I mean, maybe there is a point where, you know, one of those guys has moved and, you free up a little more space to bring in like a more traditional three in here, but now is not that time. <laughs> like what, before we're talking about trading any of these guys, like let's just see what we have with the whole thing first. Right. Right. People are jumping to these conclusions and we've seen this starting lineup, which has been dynamite whenever they've taken the floor over the last couple of years for just one and a half games this season. So the same Thought process that the Nuggets had the trade deadline. Hey, let's just get everybody healthy finally. Let's see what we've got with this roster and stand pat. That's probably the same advice I would tell people trying to ship Will Barton out of town. Just let him find his rhythm. Let him get back from this injury. We know how well this group of players has played together in the past. There's no reason to think they won't pop again this year. Denver brought back the same roster from last year this season. So I would just preach patience and let him find his rhythm. Three months is a long time to sit out, especially when you're coming back into a read and react offense that relies so much on player movement and ball movement and knowing who your teammates are. It takes time. You mentioned him a couple minutes ago. Jared Vanderbilt popped again last night. He had been playing a bunch of minutes in the G League, got in two or three games, I believe, three games, or if I'm not mistaken. They called him up for this game because Paul Millsap was out to give Denver some front court insurance. What do you think of his night last night? I mean, I, I continue to be sky high on Jared Vanderbilt. Um, it's funny if you go back to draft night, Tim Connolly called him one of the best re- rebounders we've ever seen. Tim Connolly has seen a lot of prospects. I mean, it was, it was pretty apparent how giddy the entire Nuggets front office was to get this guy at 41 it already kind of looks like a steal. I mean, we've only seen him for in like two NBA games, but man, Vanderbilt looked pretty good in this one. Seven rebounds in eight minutes. Um, the guy is just incredible on the boards, plays with great energy. Um, you know, I think he's still working his way back into shape, like I mentioned earlier. Looked like he was breathing pretty heavily out there. Um, I think this guy definitely showed something on a defensive end too. I, I just like the way he moves there, um, the way he's able to help. So... I mean, I think the thing with Jared Vanderbilt, like, is he just going to be able to finish at the rim? And I don't know, man. Like, I haven't seen enough of his game to to really know what kind of a finisher he's like. I mean, this was just only eight minutes in a second NBA game. 
missed three times around the rim, one layup. But I love what Jared Vanderbilt brings to the table for this team. Yeah, me too. And with how this Nuggets roster is set up, they're not going to need him to do a ton on the offensive end of the floor other than make layups and dunks. So if he can find his fuel around the rim, that's really the extent of what he'll have to do on the offensive end of the floor. They don't need him to develop into this 40% three-point shooter. If he can be a low 30s guy, that'd be unbelievable. Most likely, he's going to be surrounded by four shooters whenever he is on the court. But the thing that jumps off the page to me about Vanderbilt is his defensive instincts. Just knows where to be, knows how to anticipate on the defensive end of the floor. Obviously, his instincts around the rim on the glass are incredible. Great at reading the ball off the rim. His rebounding numbers are obviously insane. They've been really good in the G League when he played there in uh, those three or four games. They were good last night. And, I mean, he really changed the whole feel of that game. When he came on with that bench group, Denver rattled off, what was it, an 8-0 run, a 9-0 run? And then eventually the Nuggets kind of got back into that thing in the fourth quarter, but he really changed the whole momentum, the whole feel of that game. So that's the kind of impact I think he's going to have for the Nuggets. Eventually, could he be their starting power forward of the future? Yes. I said that going back to the summer. I think that's a possibility that's on the table. Maybe not next year, maybe a year after that. That might be a more appropriate ETA. Um, But he can be a huge factor for this team going forward. I love his potential fit alongside Nikola Jokic. I'm wondering if we're going to get any of those minutes here over these next few games. That could be really exciting, but I'm very high on him. And I think he's going to be a big contributor and play a big factor for this team in the future. Yeah, I mean, I already see Nuggets fans like, you know, asking the question, can Jared Vanderbilt be a rotation piece for the team this year? And I love the excitement, but this year is probably a little bit early. I mean, just, just let him you know, make these appearances here and there uh, while, while Denver is a little banged up. Let him continue to develop in the G League. This guy is only 19 years old, uh, super young player. And, I mean, I, I think next year he, he could challenge to, to become a rotation piece. But oh, yeah. anything earlier than that, nah, I don't, don't think so. He's a guy this year, and the Nuggets are in a really good spot with how deep they are. He's a guy who you can have at the end of your bench and use him in situations like he was used last night. If Denver is just in a rut, if they need some energy, if they need somebody to come in and really mix things up and just inject some energy into a game, he can be that guy who gives you seven or eight minutes and gets you on a run like that. So I feel like that's how he could be used going forward. Yeah, I mean, the power forward position, you know, projecting the next year is going to be so interesting because Nuggets have a team option on Paul Millsap's uh, deal next year. Trey Lyles is a restricted free agent. I mean, it. It's going to be interesting to see how the what happens with those pieces. Wrapping up some final thoughts for this game, Mason Plumley, probably his best game of the year. 24 points, 10 of 12 shooting, 4-4 from the line, 6 rebounds, 3 blocks. He was everywhere. He might have had the best game out of, out of any Denver starter. Michael Malone pointed that out after the game. He really liked how he played, the energy he brought. Anybody else stick out to you in this one? Nicole Jokic, another triple-double. I believe he's two away now from tying Michael Jordan on the all-time triple-doubles list. He had 25, 14, and 10 in Brooklyn. It's good to get Jamal Murray back from that extended absence with that ankle injury. I thought he looked solid last night. Anything else stand out to you? 
Monte was really good again. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's new? Uh, Monte, 8 for 14 from the field, 18 <laughs> points, 5 assists, 0 turnovers naturally. <laughs> How did Monte Morris not make the Rising Stars game? How did Kevin Knox make it over him? Um, I'm telling you, man, Monte Morris getting snubbed from the Rising Stars game was a bigger snub than Rudy Gobert getting left off the All-Star roster. It's pretty bad. I mean, the Knicks, they didn't have any representation whatsoever at All-Star Weekend before Kevin Knox. Maybe it was the league kind of saying, like, all right, we need, like, one person from the Knicks to be a part of this weekend. All right, we need Kevin Durant to remember that the Knicks actually exist. (laughs) So we need a New York representative at All-Star Weekend. Yeah. um, Monte is just incredible, man. It was so cool to see him go back to Detroit and play well there. Well, the Nuggets lost to Brooklyn. Of course, they're in Philadelphia Friday night. First impressions of that game, I think it's going to be a tough one for Denver to win. Tobias Harris's first game in a 76ers uniform. Philly's first game without Markel Fultz. That might be a nice sigh of relief collectively for that organization. An ESPN game, this is going to be a tough one to win, I think. Yeah, I mean, how do you guard them if, if they got Butler, Harris, Simmons all in the lineup? Yeah, well, you probably can't really match up with them. Denver doesn't really match up with them well, especially with Paul Millsap out. I mean, I I don't even know what those defensive assignments are going to be. And, yeah, on the other end of the floor, they're great defensively, so it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, like maybe Barton on Butler, um, I guess. Malik Beasley on Tobias Harris if, if he's in there, and, I don't know, Millsap on Simmons. Yeah, we'll see. It should be an interesting game. Friday night, ESPN, I'm sure Philly will be rocking for that one. Before we get out of here, though, we just want to remind you guys about that special subscription deal we've got going on right now at BSN Denver. We really need your guys' help. We really need you guys to sign up for subscriptions because we got this competition going on with our Broncos and Avalanche and Rockies counterparts. Whoever signs up the most fans from their respective sport over this span, however long this deal goes... Everybody who signs up is going to get not only the one-year subscription for just $29.99, comes out to $2.50 a month, but you guys are also going to get a free t-shirt from the BSN Denver Locker if more of you guys sign up than Broncos and Rockies and Avalanche fans. So help us out. Help us out and head on over to bsndenver.com backslash subscribe. Hit that promo code NUGGETS, all capitals, all one word, obviously. And again, you'll get a one-year subscription to BS in Denver for just $29.99. And if enough of you sign up, if more of you guys sign up than Rockies and Avalanche and Broncos fans, you'll all get free t-shirts from the BSN Denver Locker. All right, well, I think that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bar 
bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser, and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network.